Anyway, let's go on to the Lord's Prayer, which has not changed in the new hymnal. Um, uh, so we're in the second petition, Your Kingdom Come. We covered the first petition last time and the address. Uh, so Your Kingdom Come. God's kingdom certainly comes by itself, even without our prayer. But we pray in this petition that it also may come to us. How does God's kingdom come? Notice that Luther talks about the how and not the what. Is that curious? He doesn't define what the kingdom of God is here. Um, so we'll come back to it. I'll finish reading Luther, then we'll come back to it. Um, so how does God's kingdom come? God's kingdom comes when our heavenly Father gives his Holy Spirit so that by his grace we believe his holy word and lead a godly life now on earth and forever in heaven. Um, so uh, uh, what is the kingdom of God? That's the, the invisible church. Um, the kingdom, though, is a reference to how Christ rules in us, how Christ rules in our hearts. And it includes, of course, the whole invisible church, that uh, this is who his rule is over and so forth. Um, but we remember also, and this answers quite a few questions that come up in Bible classes. Uh, if you ask yourself, is this a matter of which kingdom we're in? Is it the kingdom of grace or is it the the the, the kingdom of the world. Which one is it? Is it government or is it church? Is it church or is it state? That if we can answer that, we often get an answer to how come this and how come not that and so forth. Because um, one is not the other one. Um, so with kingdom, we're praying about Christ's rule. And in Colossians, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I really like that passage. Have you noticed when we do confirmation here at St. Paul's, we often have four rows or sometimes five of confirmands and each row gets its own benediction? Have you caught that or has that kind of gone unnoticed by you? But a verse like this is one of the benedictions. So there's one from the book of Jude, one from 2 Peter, one from Colossians, one from 1 Corinthians, one from Matthew, I think. And we have different ones that we go through each year, just for a little bit of variety. You know, I don't, I, I wouldn't say this at the end of a church service because the ironic blessing is so perfect. You know, why, why, sub, why make a swap? But when you're going to do a couple benedictions in a service, then this is a good one for one of them. So the kingdom of God does not come by what we do, but it comes by itself when our heavenly father in his grace gives us the Holy Spirit. And just some passages about that, Romans 9. It does not depend on man's desire or effort, but on God's mercy. Um, Dave, would you grab one of those Bibles behind you? And who should I pick on? Would you give it to Aaron? He's young. So I want to share something with you. Uh, no, you're not going to open it. You're only going to hold it at arm's length and, and uh, yeah, but not yet. You don't have to yet. But uh, uh, yesterday in our Bible information class, um, I had uh, a man who was 
wrestling with whether or not he's saved at all. And I kept asking him, do you have faith in Christ? And he said, yes, I do. So I had him, I, I said, what happens to somebody who believes in Jesus? And he says, well, they go to heaven. And I said, do you believe in Jesus? And he goes, I do. I hope I'm not going to go to hell. He just couldn't get through that. And so I had him hold the Bible out at arm's length. And I said, what will happen if you drop it? And he said, oh, oh, I'll pick it up again. I said, no, 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 what will happen if you drop it? And he said, well, I won't let it drop, I promise, Pastor. I said, no, what will happen if you drop What I mean is, what would happen if you would drop it? And I said, would, would it fly up into the air and hit the ceiling? And he said, well, no. And I said, will it fly over and hit the wall? No. Will it fly over that way and break the glass of the window? No. Will it fly over here and break my nose? No. I said, what will happen? He said, it'll fall. And I said, by the way, Aaron, you can drop the, or, I mean, you can let the Bible go. But, uh, but he said, if I let it go, it'll fall on the floor. And I said, every single time? And he said, yes. And I said, why? I said, because that's, and he said, because that's what'll happen. And I said, so if you believe in Jesus, where does your soul go? And he said, if I believe in Jesus, he said, well, anybody else believes in Jesus, they'll go to heaven. If I believe in Jesus, I hope I don't go to hell. He just, he kept coming back to that. And, and it was, um, and uh, so we looked up Mark 16, 16. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be damned. And I got him to say out loud over and over again, only faith saves, only unbelief damns. And we listed he listed three guys in the Bible who were murderers who went to heaven. You know, and I said, what, what sins are you in your past that are worse than that? And he said, well, none. And I said, you believe in Jesus? He forgives your sins. You're going to heaven. And he kept ending with, well, I just hope I don't go to hell. I, this is a man who needs the gospel and doesn't need any more law, you know. But... Yeah, but this Romans passage, it does not depend on man's desire or effort, but on God's mercy. So there, there is no case of I haven't done enough, you know. But that's, that's how you do evangelism with Mormons, though. Do you feel worthy? Because a Mormon will say, I need to be worthy. And so you ask him, do you feel worthy? No, I don't feel worthy. Well, guess what? It isn't up to you and what you feel, how you feel. It's up to God and what Christ has done. But that's how we do that kind of evangelism. Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So these blessings that God gives to us in his word. And, uh, and we want to increase Christ's rule in our hearts by strengthening our faith. And we want to extend Christ's rule in the hearts of many others who are not yet Christians, these are prayers for missions. So we do pray about our missions um, and our mission work. And uh, does someone who prays for missions, are they joining in the mission work? Yeah. Um, if someone does some labor that gets, you know, something that gets sent to our missions, like they collect eyeglasses or something, are they helping in the mission work? Yeah, they are. Um, we used to, what was it we used to collect here? It was some... Um, Hats, 
and uh, medicine, empty medicine bottles, little orange bottles for, for, for pills, um, because that's what they're short of often in overseas, is they have the pills. They just don't have anything to put them in to give to people. You know, so they would, you, if you can't scrape off your own, you know, cataract medicine prescription or whatever they're for, you can, uh, they'll, they'll put a sticker over it or whatever. Don't worry about that, but we used to collect those. Then one year they told us to stop with a, with a medicine bottle, so I guess we don't need them anymore. But they still do eyeglasses, eyeglass collection. Um, because the lenses, you know, may help whomever, um, whatever. If somebody has my prescription, you know, then they got weird eyes. But there's, you know, whatever it is. Because my glasses go, this up here is clear plastic. And they go this way, it's diagonal. I have trifocals. Because down here I'm almost blind and up here I don't need anything. So I have whatever, it's presbyopia. Yeah. My eyes do weird things, and I, I knew I needed glasses when I started seeing bats fly in front of me. By the way, we had a bird today in church. Um, I put that in today's email devotion. I was writing about God's providence, and the secretary comes in and says, Pastor, there's a bird downstairs. So I grabbed a cardboard box, and we went down and we caught her. Um, and a little, uh, little baby cat bird peeping downstairs. And... Uh, Yeah, yeah. My yeah. Yeah. Oh no, very common in Minnesota and Wisconsin. Both they're they're slate gray, um, and they have like a black mohawk. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, that you know, and they're a little just a little smaller is all, but yeah. And uh, I didn't know what to do with it, so I took this little fledgling who couldn't even fly yet. She was so scared. She was banging into the walls, though. She's, you know, running around. And, uh, but I mean, I'm, you know, a big guy. I caught her pretty easily. But um, we took her out to the, the um, well, it, the Johnsons used to live there in the house behind the church. And they have a hedge. And I, I, I named her Tuesday because it's Tuesday. <laughs> and uh, so I named her. And, and uh, I let her go in the hedge. And... Um, uh, and then I looked it up online. I didn't know what their habitat is. I didn't know. And it turns out they live in bushes and they like to eat uh, grubs and things that they find in the, in the shade of like hedges and bushes. It was like, got that right. That's pretty good. And then we wondered how she got in the first place. But you know, in the doors of the main part of the church, the, the, the main entrance doors that are under construction, there's a gap like that big under one of the doors and, you know, that big under one of the doors. So anything, I'm surprised we don't have more birds and other flying things because of that, you know, right now or whatever. We're, I, I think this summer, if they don't finish that pretty soon, we're going to get critters more and more in here. Well, well, bats probably not because bats don't, the bats we have in Minnesota don't like to land like on a surface, a floor, because they have to take off by dropping all Minnesota bats have to drop to take off. And if they, like, if bats in, in, get in the church and get downstairs, if they get into one of the classrooms, they die because they can no longer fly. They can't climb high enough to be able to drop. And so we find them sometimes in the fall dead under a teacher's desk or something. 
We just go around and pick them up and throw them away. It's, it's too bad. Oh, yeah, I'm recording this. Okay, well, let's go on. Let's go on. Your will be done. This is the third petition. So God's good and gracious will is certainly done without our prayer, but we pray in this petition that it be done among us also. This is his good and gracious will. And then how is God's will done? Once again, Luther in his explanation does not say what it is. He just says, how does it work? It's a curiosity, I'll say. God's will is done when he breaks and defeats every evil plan and purpose of the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh, which try to prevent us from keeping God's name holy and letting his kingdom come. And God's will is done when he strengthens and keeps us firm in his word and in the faith as long as we live. This is the petition we have the hardest time with with confirmation students. And why is that? Because young people today, by and large, don't know that the word will can also be a noun. Doesn't even occur to them that, what do you mean a will? You know, it doesn't, or, or they think that that's only what dead people have, you know, is a will. Um, and so we have to explain that to them. Um, it's a little bit like yesterday in catechism class. I, uh, I read a sentence of four words and my class could not pick out the verb. And the sentence was, this is my body. And, well, in part, that's the state of education, you know, in, in, um, perhaps in the public school system, in other school systems, but they could not pick out the verb. Um, a couple of these people went to college that were in the class and they could not figure out the verb in this is my body. I think because they were just rebelling against the, the idea of is being a verb. You know, but is is one of the forms of the verb to be. When I, have I done this for you before? I had to memorize that as a kid. All the forms of to be. Did anybody else have to do this? Is, be, am, are, was, were, been, being, may, might, must, do, did, does, has, hath, had, can, could, shall, should, will, would. There's to be in English. Um, uh, or not. Uh, uh, but um, <laughs> but in, this, in the sentence, uh, this is my body, then in, the, in this mixed group of people from various denominations, I'm explaining what does, what does is mean. And so what I did was I used this chair. And I said, if I say this is a chair, do I mean this will become a chair? Because if it's only going to become a chair, I'm not sure I want to sit my rear end on this thing. And if this only represents a chair, then is there something wrong with it? You know, if, if this is only a representation of a chair, I would also have a problem using it. But if this is a chair, then fine, I'm going to use it as a chair. This is a chair. Um, and notice that I kept saying the word use. Correct? Because that's also part of our definition of how the Lord's Supper works. Um, as well as, would, would you, um, oh no, they're coming in, aren't they? That's okay. Don't shut them out. Don't shut them out. Let them, let the, let the little children come. So, oh no, that's church council. That's not Herb and Jew. Oh, it is. Oh, there, okay. So, uh, 
So in the Lord's Supper, for example, um, it's the use of the thing that makes it the, the sacrament. As, as Augustine said, when the word approaches the element, there is the sacrament. So if I just have water, what do I have? Water or a bath. Yeah. But if I have water and, or if I, if I just have the word, but not the water, then what do I have? I have a, a sermon, you know, or, or, or the word. But if I have them both, and I'm using them as Christ commanded, then I have the sacrament. But it's the use, which in Latin is the word usus, U-S-U-S, the usus. That's what makes the sacrament. Herb, could you also do the doors while you're there? Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, so uh, it's the use. that, And that same thing is true of the Lord's Supper. Why don't we teach the doctrine of transubstantiation, which is the Roman Catholic teaching that the element becomes the body and blood of Christ? Because it isn't a transformation. It's the use. You know, back in the sacristy, when... Uh, when, uh, 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 when the ladies are, are, are filling up the cups, is that the sacrament? No, no. And later on, when the ladies are emptying the cups and doing the dishes, is that the sacrament? No. But when I come back in the back and say, could I have one of those and grab a cup and take it back out because the organist came down and wants the Lord's Supper, is it still the Lord's Supper? Yeah, because of the use of the Lord's Supper. Make sense? All right. So that was my use of the chair with teaching the sacrament, which just came to me in the spur of the moment last night as we were doing it. I think I'll leave that in my repertoire from now on because it worked pretty well. You know, with it's not become, it's not represent, it is. Okay, let's go on with the will of God. So God's will or, or oh no, you, you, you define will for me. Think of a, synonym for the will of God. The will of God, the desire. desire, a great word. Desire of God. Intention. It's a good, great word. Want, yeah. Plan. Scheme. Now that's got a little edge to it, right? But all of your words I liked. So, yeah, so, but his, his, his plans for us, his desire for us, all of that, that's his will, his good and gracious will. What does he want to have happen? That's, that's his will. Um, and his will is, especially these three things, that his word be taught in its truth and purity to all people, so that the word be kept true. One of our biggest um, challenges when we're having a doctrinal exchange if somebody's trying to come into our fellowship, for example, from certain other churches is that they've abandoned the idea that God's word is divine. So more and more people are coming in who want to say, um, they want to quote the word of God to use it, but then if I quote the word of God, then, oh, that's just what some man wrote. There's a double standard going on there. So they get to use it, but I don't. You know, that's, we're finding that more and more, especially with one particular denomination. 
which is it, very frightening because it has the word Lutheran in the title. It's very unfortunate. The, the second part of God's will is that all people believe in Jesus and be saved. And thirdly, that we should live a holy life. So the word remains pure. That gives God glory that we believe and be saved and that we leave, lead a holy life. Now in heaven, um, who does God's will? Everybody. Primarily, though, we would speak of the angels. Yeah. For, for the, the spirits of those who have died, um, heaven is more a matter of, uh, for the moment, of joy and waiting and praise more than anything else. But the angels do his will and carry out his will. On earth, God's will is done just as he plans it, even if we don't pray for it. It still happens. Luther is going to say this over and over again with all the other petitions now. Even if we don't pray for it, it's going to still take place. So, but we pray for it because, well, whose side do you want to be on, for one thing? You know. Um, I was watching, a, I forget if it was a movie or what it was, but there was some French people who had, it, had been invaded by the Germans. A lot of what I watch involves World War II. I don't know why, but... Um, but uh, but uh, Everybody in the room says Heil Hitler and the, and, the, and the barkeeper, who obviously is not a Nazi or anything like that, he, he kind of throws his hand up and goes, why not? You know, just like, just, whatever, why, why not? Just, yeah. Um, that, so the, the, the great enemies, the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh, try to prevent God's will from being done. Um, they want to get in the way. Um, and they do this by leading people astray from God's word so that they live in unbelief and in sin. And also, I would add in doubt, you know, denial, all kinds of things. Um, there, there is a quality that the devil has that when a Christian realizes that one thing or another is a, is a temptation for them, whatever it might happen to be, um, maybe they have one of the four great addictions in our culture. Um, what are the four great addictions? This is just my alcohol, cigarettes, caffeine, and chocolate. I don't know what, but maybe, maybe it's not chocolate, but maybe it is. Um, other things or, or other foods, but um, uh, what does the devil do? That's what he goes after with that person. You know, he says, I know you struggle with this, so I'm going to attack you with this. You know, and he has all kinds of ways of attacking. Maybe you'll get coupons in the mail for that thing or whatever it is. You'll think, oh, it's cheaper though. So, yeah. The people and the things of the world try to prevent God's will from being done by leading people to ignore or forget or deny Jesus. I was thinking of this today using, um, I, was, I was talking about uh, Matthew 4, 4, which has a, it's Deuteronomy 8-something, maybe 8-21. Um, man does not live by bread alone. If I say that, how many people in a room do you think would, would finish it with a joke? Man does not live by bread alone. You know, I mean, I grew up in the 70s and I heard this on TV commercials all the time. Like, you know, he needs margarine or butter too, you know, or, or whatever, or... You know, you know, it, how many, how often does that thing get ended with a joke or some elaborate other thing? But what is the conclusion of that? Man does not live by bread alone. 
every word, yeah, that comes from the mouth of God. And um, which is a reminder that it's the word of God, even in the case of our daily bread, which we're coming up on here, um, that keeps it going. It's God's command and God's will and God's word that keeps it going. And then the next bullet here, the sinful nature tries to prevent God's will from being done by promoting a hatred of God's word and an enjoyment of sin. If, uh, if I like it, I should get to have it. You know, who is God to tell me I can't do what I want to do? Um, in the last year, a whole new group has begun saying, it's my body, my choice. Whole new group. I mean, my whole life, I've, you know, I've been living under Roe versus Wade, but now it's a totally different group. Who now is saying, my body, my choice? The far right-wing Republicans who are anti-vaccine. My body, my choice. I don't have to get the vaccine if I don't want it. It's curious that they would adopt you know, that, that phrase um, and bring it into their own world. Um, we had, uh, um, we had uh, uh, a non-member ask us to... to uh, um, to be his uh, reference or whatever you would say because he didn't want to get the vaccine, the, the, the virus vaccine, um, at his job. And he wanted us to back him up like with a passage or something. And, um, and uh, there are lots of passages that talk about using the medicine of the day, you know, in scripture, all through scripture. There are many, many, many dozens, maybe, perhaps a hundred or more, but many, many dozens of passages um, and, uh, however, uh, it, there is also a very famous one in Chronicles that says, um, that King, uh, what, which one was it? Was it Asa who listened to his doctors, but did not go to the Lord, you know? So that was his problem. Not that he went to the doctors, but that he didn't go to the Lord. Um, so that's an issue too. But, um, but the real, the, the real issue though is not, that the Bible says you don't have to use, uh, you know, a, a vaccine. The issue is you shouldn't sin against your conscience. So if you have, if your conscience has a problem with 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 something like that, then I would understand and I would say okay, you know, because it's not it's not good to sin against your conscience. Even if your conscience is flawed, it's not good to sin against your conscience. Yeah. Um. Let's go on a couple, just two more. Uh, God's will can be done among us only when God breaks and defeats every evil plan and purpose of the devil, the world, and our nature. And when God strengthens and keeps us firm in his word and in the faith as long as we live. So we keep running back to his word, keep running back to the sacraments. Okay. Uh, anything on the third petition? Moving to the You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.